0: You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your
1: podcasts from. All right, the playoffs are kicking off in the NBA and DraftKings has an awesome promotion going on. Every day of the NBA playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part is, it's totally free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free-to-play pools every single day of the NBA playoffs, offering players a free shot at 20 grand in total prizes. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. You just download the app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot. 20 grand in total prizes every day of the NBA playoffs. Head to DraftKings' pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That promo code is THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. See DraftKings.com for details.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Garbage Day podcast, podcast, podcast. Okay, it's garbage day today. Every day day. day
1: is garbage day. What do you mean? Garbage bag day. Garbage season day. Garbage season. Garbage.
0: The garbage. The Calgary garbage. We should change our name eh? (laughs) to the Calgary garbage. The flaming hot trash. The flaming dumpster. The Flaming dumpsters. What do you think about what do you think about that? Should we it's got a nice ring to it? Should we request a name change? I don't know how you do that to the higher-ups. Uh, we we think that um, a better you know descriptive of your of your team might be the flaming pile of garbage.
1: Let's send it to Murray Edwards Castle. We'll send it by Raven and it can be delivered to him in his castle and wherever whatever tax-free haven he's in right now.
0: We'll make sure we do the flaming uh Pile of dog poo on his front step, eh? When we deliver the news. Anyways, today, we're not going to... Okay, here's how we're going to break this down. It's garbage... Uh, garbage day. Well, what's called? Garbage bag day?
1: Garbage bag day? You they put call all your gar- shit in a garbage bag?
0: They put it, yeah. They call it garbage. You clean out your stalls, you put it all in a garbage bag, you take it with you.
1: I mean, at this point, they're probably putting all their shit in like Gucci bags or does Gucci make bags or shit like that? Louis Vuitton bags. Like, did you oh, see yeah. Lindholm and Markstrom? Yeah, they don't even know what a garbage bag looks like. They probably never touched one. Those guys are A, so handsome, B, look like they're heading to a GQ. I like, <laughs> so it cracked me up is the how like Johnny, <laughs> Rass, Gio, they all look like they're headed to go play like tennis in the afternoon markstrom and lindholm look dapper as fuck. they're ready to go to the gala they are ready to you know the end of season
2: off.
0: gala
1: exactly we we'll continue so
0: garbage bag day today's podcast we're going to break down garbage bag day and we'll look at the season um looking back at the season a bit but we won't be going into too many metrics analytics and numbers um, or an individual player by player breakdown. We're going to save that uh, for pretty soon in the near future. But today will be just about the reaction of the coach, the GM, and the players today and what they had to say about this garbage season. Let's, uh, why don't we start there? I guess we'll have to go through the game at the end. We'll whip through it because there's a few notable things that we want to talk about. Mike Phillips making his debut and Mackie getting his first goal, but maybe we'll wrap up with that. Why don't we just start right?
1: Richie with a breakout game. You forgot. I told you he's going to break out. Eventually, man. Was it, a, was it a goal and an assist? He had three points, baby. Th- a goal. Three and points. Two. All it Dude, took was all season. I knew he was going to break out. You I knew, knew that it. he was going to pull a Mark Jankowski and score 12 goals in the last game of the season. Eh? That's why Brad's press conference was probably late today because he was extending Brett Ritchie off of that monster performance.
0: He's basically signing a blank contract. Eh? Yeah, a-
1: but you you write the number down, Look, Brett. We'll
0: give you whatever you want. You know better than I do how valuable you are to this team. Okay, <laughs> you just put the number down. I'm not even going to look. I'll just sign the bottom of the contract. How's that sound, Brett? <laughs> oh, boy. So we'll start with uh, head coach, or do you want to start with Brad Living? I mean, there's there's really not much to break down with Brad Living. A lot of the same old, same old, eh? Talk to me.
1: Yeah, uh, season is a failure, and it just starts right at the top with the general manager. Starts start with to me. me. Let's start with Daryl, because I don't think I can. I'm not mentally prepared to deal with Brad yet. All right like where we're at i'm listen when when the news
0: broke that they fired ward to bring in daryl sutter we were um after a you know a small going through some shock it took a little bit to wrap our heads around it and then hearing sutter talk at his first presser there was a complete buy-in right and then um I, I guess there was a lot of flip-flopping back and forth. I, w- I wasn't so much so wavering, uh, but there were times when I would question, like, what is Richie still doing? Uh, what is Nordstrom doing in the top six with the final game, This right? So, but every time this guy steps up to the podium and explains the rationale behind um, or even just what he sees with this team and what his breakdown, his analysis is of the team in the season, I
1: can't help but buy my, get bought back in. Like, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's dialed in. He's dialed in. He knows what the, he knows what the issues are with this team. He seems to have an idea on how to fix them. And he, and like again, like you said, when he comes up to the podium and, and says all these things and points all these things out, that you're like, yeah, that's totally true. It gives you confidence that you have the right guy behind the bench. Like, again, say what you want about his style of coaching on the ice. The dude is sharp as shit. And he knows what is wrong with this team. He knows what's good about this team. His analysis is spot on.
0: Yeah. And I think probably the main reason why that is, is because he knows where you need to be the benchmark as a team in order to see success. And he also knows how to get your team from when it's nowhere near that benchmark to that benchmark. And that's, that's basically what we're referring to.
1: Um, Complete opposite from from Jeff Ward. Complete opposite. We're not even in the same stratosphere planet, man. I kind of actually wish Ward was around just so I could hear his uh his take on the season failures, you know. Oh yeah, like my wall really needs another hole in it.
0: <laughs> or my head from smashing it into the wall. <laughs> so Sutter goes on to um explain where where he views this team. Um coming right off the hop, talking about the pace of the game and and the the pace of the team's game and where it got to. Because from day one, that's what he was stressing was pace. And he says, looking back at the last 10, 12 games, um, the team was where he thinks it would need to be in terms of what kind of pace they need to be playing with in order to keep up in the NHL. I mean, he talks about, if he what he said i don't, I don't know if we're putting blurbs in
3: here or not but well first off I think we' we made the adjustment I think the team was was uh, significantly significantly behind in terms of the pace of the game the way the game was being is being played and was being played so I think we've made that adjustment that's something you have to continue to work on in terms of it's not just you just can't do it overnight <laughs> I think there's a summer of training that goes into that and a training camp and a practice mentality and then a game mentality that has to be built there i think the uh what was the last part of your question the hoping of that it would happen guess, faster um, yeah i guess were you yeah. hoping that that transition would uh, well absolutely. you have no way of telling until you get there and so i think that most teams are you that have been associated with you'd certainly and you'd probably at the 20 around the 20 game mark if you're even, you know, if your schedule is sort of even with home and road and and your ratio to your practice game, all that. Uh, So I'm not quite sure where that fell into, you know, I was, I think I was behind the bench for 30 games. So really you're probably looking at best case, probably the last 10, 12 games as to see exactly where you're at.
0: It takes about 20 games for an adjustment to happen when a new coach comes in and maybe not every time if the coaches are similar, but if there's a giant discrepancy in style of coaching and basically analysis of your team that there was with Jeff Ward and Daryl Sutter, he he was saying it took about 20 games for that adjustment to take place. So he's saying that he was there for about 30 games. So he's saying the last 10 to 12 games that's a pretty decent measurement of what you have as a team in terms of what you can see, um, expect from these guys next season. Now, obviously the last four games against Vancouver, everybody was already out of it. So it's just garbage time. So maybe, you know, you can't even extend it to that, but what he's saying is that he now, it sounds like he knows, which is good. All, if if you were, If you weren't going to make the playoffs, which you needed a fucking miracle to do it, didn't happen. But if you're managing this team and you're a fan of this team and you know that Daryl's going to be the coach next year, this is probably, you know, one of the best case scenarios you could have ending the season on is that, K Daryl knows what he has.
1: And he knows what this team needs to do next season. And the guys know what, the guys who are returning to this team know what they need to do next season to, you know, Make the playoffs.
0: One of the one of the main key things that he said that really uh stood out to me, and I know stood out to you too, was talking about the lack of preparation, the lack of goal setting. We even talked about this uh in the podcast when Ward was still around. And it's just like you could tell. Um, I don't know what podcast it was specifically, but I remember us I talking about it. We're looking at this team, it's just like the way they start games, how inconsistent they are, it's like they don't have any goals, any direction in terms of okay, this is how we want to start the game, right? I think I even threw an analogy of like um whatever team I was playing, I don't know what level it was, but we were in the hockey Canada room and we were setting goals for the year. Okay, we want our PK to be at this percentage, power play, yada yada. Because what Ward was saying today, or sorry, what Daryl saying today is that um basically the the X he's saying that. Um, There was externalization in terms of goals, but no internalization of goals. And what he's really saying there is that there was a what in terms of, okay, well, we know what we want to accomplish. We want to win the Stanley cup. Okay. We set our goals for the year, guys. Go out and get it. Have fun though. Make sure your emotions high. Be emotionally engaged. But he's, what he's saying is that the, how there was no how goals. He's he's probably mentioned this two or three times since taking over this team
3: that there was a really poor job of goal the setting. Age of teams, all that it's it's significantly different. But I think the one thing for sure that that would be the same is that you have put uh, markers in place in terms of what you have to to try and accomplish or or what you want to do as a group. I think one of the biggest problems this team had this year was there was. There was no internal goals. Everything was external in terms of what they were supposed to do. Or, but there wasn't much done in terms of set out, in terms of what we're going to try and do or, and how we're going to get there. And I know this is what he's referring to. Is that?
0: And, and I mean, the biggest difference is, look, I don't blame this on Jeff Ford. I blame this on Brad True Living. We already knew the guy was weighing in over his head. How did Brad not know that?
2: but the team obviously didn't have any. And look,
0: it's, it's pretty obvious as to why Jeff Ward does not know how in a way that when you're comparing how intricate Daryl Sutter knows how to win and what you need to get out of your players, I guess Jeff Ward was along for the ride in, in Boston. I'm sure he picked up a few things along the way, but Matt, Daryl, and and Jeff Ward, like we said, are are nowhere near each other in terms of, you know, what they can accomplish as head coaches.
1: It's almost it's not it, it's not almost shocking. It is shocking to me that they hired Jeff Ward. It still blows my goddamn mind when I hear Sutter talk about things like this that are like. Again, like I said, he's so sharp and so spot on. It's like, holy shit. Yeah, like I had never heard anything that insightful from Jeff Ward and his however long he was here for. Like, you go back and look at his, his, po- his postseason garbage day scrum and it was just like platitudes and BS and all kinds of dumb junk that was meaningless. How do you want to play exactly like we did in the playoffs? What? Yeah. You saw what happened saw it happen when we tried to be a scoring team. We're going to play exactly the same. I like, what are you talking about? And I thought it was really interesting that, you know, the guys, a lot of the guys today were talking about, they struggled with consistency. Lindholm said it, Lucic said it, Gaudreau said it. It was like, they couldn't, even Brad said it. He was like, they couldn't gain any traction. You know, they were up, they were down. How much of that comes back to, you know, exactly what Sutter's saying is there's no internal goals. Everything yeah. was external and what you're supposed to do. Nobody knows what they're doing on a night-to-night basis.
0: The, the how, the, the, the miniature goals within the goals, right? The how are you going to get to what you want to get to? Those weren't set. He's made it very clear. And you what, you're get,
1: what you're getting from the Jeff Ward coach is like, when they needed guidance, when they needed, okay, we don't really know what we're doing. Just emotion, bring that emotion up. Get that emotional engagement. That's all you need to do. When you, when you went to the well of Jeff Ward of how do they
0: execute on those goals, that's all it was. That's all he had. You just got to play with heart, play with emotion, and you got to hate to lose. Then you will win the Stanley Cup. That's all it <laughs> takes. I mean, you're right. Lucic, you know, he talks about his analysis of, of the, the season. It's like, well, you know, we, we went – we got five out of six points to start the season. We lose to, to Winnipeg in overtime, and then we win two games against Vancouver, and then we had a, a five day break. And then things were the same since. And it's like, dude, that was the fucking first two weeks of the season. You couldn't turn yourself around. I, I like to me that's coaching. If the if the coach can't pre- a prepare you properly. Because what what he's saying, Lucic says this, and some of the other players alluded to this too, is that they thought it was going to be easy. They had five out of six points going into the break. They've only played three games in the whole season, and they're ready just to pack it in. So they've... And Lucic, on the same token, is talking about later on in his his interviews about Daryl Sutter, and he says, yeah, well, he's not going to let us get too high or too low, right? And I don't understand. I mean, we saw it with... (laughs) when the the team was going through that awful stretch with Jeff Ward and then they won like one game against Toronto where they got like absolutely dominated and Danny, we we touched on it a lot. (laughs) Danny Austin says, Oh yeah. So the season turned around now, coach. (laughs) You got to keep perspective, man. We're so turned around. (laughs) And it's just like, dude, how like, come on, not only like, as opposed to um, Daryl Sutter, he would have been like, We just des- we deserve to lose that game. It's not good enough. We have so many more things to work on. So there's your contrast right there. And like Lucci just saying it, some of the players are saying it. You got to kind of decipher and read between the lines a bit, but it's right there. Obviously, the players aren't going to go out and say, look, Jeff Ward is an amateur. That's that's what we're that's what we can do. Even the media can't even go out and say it. But we can. We all know it's true guy way over his head and I don't even place the fault isn't on him it's no. on dipshit Bradtree living yeah. to me this is the biggest indictment on track on Bradtree living's list of, of blunders with this with this Calgary Flames team in the last seven years it this, was a, yeah like what hurt this team more than this ridiculous decision to hire this amateur
1: nothing, nothing. It, it was our biggest concern going into the season like, bar none. We said it on the season preview. It was like, there's no way this is, go- this is going to end up the way that Brad wants it to. Because Jeff is so clearly not the guy to take this team to the next level. Everyone could see it coming. He had a he fucking yep. did it anyways.
0: He had, Jeff had a big enough sample size to win us over. And he didn't. Because we knew exactly what style of play he was going to roll out the following season. And we already knew it wasn't good enough. Turns out we were even more right than we thought. I still would have kind of figured we might limp into the playoffs. I didn't, I didn't think we'd be toying around in the basement. That sounded pretty, uh, (laughs) pretty fetish-like, right? Hey, But like, this is the biggest diamond on Bradshaw living. And I, I, this to me is a very fireable offense. This is ridiculous.
1: Well, and again, like you, you compare... You compare Daryl's comments today, Daryl's assessment, Daryl's analysis to, and it was weird because it was bookended because Daryl was, I think, the second guy at the podium behind uh, behind Backlund and Geo, who we'll get to, and then Brad was the last guy. You bookend those two humans' analysis. You come away from Daryl's feeling like, man, this guy knows what's up. I trust his (laughs) vision for the team. I trust his analysis. He's spot on. With what needs to be improved, he's spot on with where this team went wrong in the season, and then you get dipshit McGee up there who's running this team, and it's like it starts with me. Oh, uh, you got to look at it, you got to assess it. Um, you just got to assess everything, look at it. It's time. Uh, we got to do this. Um, but we're not going to do this. It's just like, holy shit! One guy is playing chess, the other guy's playing plinko. <laughs> Lingo. isn't that a game? Planko? Yeah, that's, that's a
0: new one. That's a uh, Price Is Right. Yeah, the price is wrong, Brad.
2: Like, I mean, the other, holy the other, shit,
0: dude. and and
2: and
1: even Daryl is subtly calling out Tree Living. I don't know if it was even subtle today, man. This is what I love
0: about Daryl. So he goes on to say. He's talking about the team. He talked about how the, the vets, the older guys, were, were basically your best players. And down the stretch, Gio was. Tanev was for sure. Tanev was probably your best player all season long. Yep. Then Gio. Then Johnny. Uh, well, John, was Gio in the second half once they, they switched the pairings around, which was, again, um, Daryl's call. But then he talks about the 22 to 27 age group kind of ending in Johnny, beginning where Matthew Kachuk, Dubay, and all those guys are. He says straight up, there was a way over calculation on the expectations put on this age group and what they were going to achieve
3: this season. And that, A lot of that falls into that 22 to 27 age group. I think that there was a way miscalculation on, on uh, who put expectations on this team you know, it's a really good young defense, but um, you go into season with, uh, you know, Nolan Rass are 24 and as top four defensemen, which they are, but you're putting a lot on them. When and then the third pair is, are, in, are younger than that, so uh, they just. In, at the end of the day, you win with, you know, this this thing about defense in the league that some of you bring up that. It's that's, that's old fashioned and outdated The league is about checking, not about defending. And to do that, you have to play at a high pace and you have to be able to play that style of game.
0: Thank you. And if that is not a straight up calling out the general manager, because who else would make that decision? It wasn't Jeff Ward. This isn't Jeff Ward picking the roster. He's working with what he has. So Brad tree living, going out and believing in this group I guess I guess when Brad Schilling went, su- went to the supermarket to get milk and soup. <laughs> oh, I found some soup along the way. Yeah. I don't even have to go in the store and look around.
1: He's back Fuck in it. the dumpster. He's in the dumpster bin right now. He's fucking
0: dumpster diving. Yeah. The, and the funny thing is, back when he made that stupid analogy, the soup was Manji Mangiapane. Mangiapane was your best player. Your most consistent forward all season long. <laughs> And you still were way off in what you expected the the youth of this team to give you this season. And a lot of it comes down to coaching. Like, (sighs) because if you would have had Sutter at the helm, I I bet you we would have made the playoffs. So Sutter could have got more out of this group with a longer uh,
1: period of time. Without a doubt. And he even referenced one of the – He uh, the most important adjustments was switching the D pairings because you want to talk about overestimating that age group. They overestimated Rastus Anderson's ability to be a a top pairing defender by a goddamn mile because that's what they started the year with. And Daryl straight up said that and then said one of the best, biggest adjustments that led to our improvement down the stretch was switching the D pairs. Yep, he alluded to
0: both uh, age groups where he said The second pairing in in Noah and Rassus-Anderson. There was an over-expectation of what they could accomplish as a second pairing. And then he says, and then the third pairing was even younger. And it was the same thing. Basically saying that the general manager did a poor job of setting this team up for success for this season. And then obviously the coach didn't have any fucking goals to, (laughs) to figure out
1: how to even get success. Like what a shit show. What an absolute dumpster fire. And then Brad's still pretty clueless, if you ask me. Oh, dude, one hundred percent. Like I was expect again. I was. I don't know what I was expecting when he came up to the podium, but the dude still sounds just as clueless as he was two years ago. He
0: looks like a deer in the headlights. I mean, he kind of always does, <laughs> but he's just like looking around, like, "Why?" I kind of like, uh, uh, okay. yeah, we'll do some. Uh, we'll, we'll dig through the carcass next week." it's just like how, like what do you mean next week? What <laughs> fuck have you been doing for the last 2?
1: You know this team's been out of it. We're going to really he always does this too. We're this week we're going to sit down and uh this week we're going to sit down and really deep dive. Again, like this week what have you been doing the last 5 fucking years? At least we know <sighs> Daryl's been here for what? Three months and he already has a pretty solid assessment. What's what are you talking about? What do you mean? Dig deep. Listen to your coach's press conference and you'll probably know more about the faults of this team and problems with this team than you did yesterday, apparently.
0: And he's going on about, you know, yeah, couldn't get consistent individual performances. It's just like, okay, Daryl pretty much told you why. You still have no clue. So the good thing for me is that Daryl is a boss and he's going to fucking, he'll probably bully Brad, you Living living. He has to, will he not? Like not, not intentionally like, you know, pick on him, but he's just going to be like, like he will make it known to Brad, you living. I wouldn't even be surprised if, if, if the owners are like, Hey, Daryl, what do you think of Brad? Like Brad's not, he's going to say, this is
1: the problem that I saw with the team. Who do you think, who do you think's fault that was? I absolutely think that's going to be a discussion because the owners trust Daryl Sutter more than anybody. I think in the entire world, (laughs) they're going to ask him. Like they probably there's an interesting tweet. And I
0: think this came from, I'm bringing it up while we're talking here. (sighs) Yeah. This came from uh, Pat Steinberg tweeted this. So general manager Brad living says he'll have a review with ownership in the coming days. He always does at the at the end of every season. He says there hasn't been any talks about his future at this point. However, it would not surprise me one bit if ownership, because they, they know who Daryl is. They know the success Daryl's had. And and now that Daryl's back in the organization, it wouldn't be surprised me one bit if they want to sit down with Daryl before sitting down with Brad and maybe even making a decision about Brad moving forward.
1: Yeah. And I mean, today was kind of weird because I kind of felt like until I heard Brad say that he's having his meeting this week. And even then, like, it still feels like business as usual. But that's going to be an interesting meeting to see what comes out of that. Because like, again, like I said, if you're a fan or if you're an owner, like I heard everything I wanted to hear from from the coach of this team to get me confident for next year, not even confident, but assured that he knows what he's doing. I did not hear that from the general manager. I'm no more co- I am more confident in Daryl Sutter than I was yesterday. I'm just as, if not less confident in Brad, she than I was yesterday after hearing what he had to say. Yep. And I mean, look, if, if you're looking around the league,
0: a lot of ownership, they don't wait, right? There's already, announcements of GMs that are coming and going. Right. And so you might be on one side of the fence being like, well, they would have announced it by now if they knew that they were letting go of branch for living. I'm not sure. Sure. Cause I think Daryl's is a big part of that decision-making process. Not, not in the sense of like he gets to pick who this GM is just in the sense of like offering valuable feedback that they probably can't get elsewhere. Yeah. They're, they're going to get better valuable feedback about, the assessment of the general manager based on what Daryl can explain, what he what what he has in his locker room, yeah, than anywhere else. And so I don't think they're having that. Daryl's wanting to have that discussion in season. I just he doesn't seem that type of guy. So um, it would not surprise me one bit if that was the route that happened. And hey, maybe the owners say, "Look, we're going to keep you around, but you're going to have um, or Daryl's going to be more of an active." part in your decision-making process. That's probably what's going to happen.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, again, because like play the Brad Schilling bingo today. What did you hear? Good team that underachieved, underachieved. Individual performances. Starts Individual with starts. With, he Literally his first sentence was starts with myself, starts with me.
3: But we just didn't get it done. And it starts with myself that you, you look at the team, you know, and you go through it, um, you know, parts at parts of time we didn't score enough. So you look back, um, you know, you brought in some people that I thought may be able to contribute to that. They didn't for 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 different reasons. Um, you know, so those are those are those are all areas that we're gonna we're gonna sit and evaluate over the course of the next couple of days here and and uh, and look to address moving forward. We're, there's we're stuff, gonna,
1: there's holes gonna, that we need to fill. We're going to sit down next week. We're going to really dive get, into it. We're going to get our hands dirty, figure out what what went wrong. Like, we all know what went wrong, you fucking idiot. Except you, I guess. You're the only one who doesn't know. Which is which is not good. Because if
0: he's a big part of the reason why this team is where it is and he does not see that, he's not the guy moving forward. You can't. I don't know if it was Einstein or not. You can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. And unless Brad goes through some sort of evolution and realizes his own mistakes, it seems to me like he's blind to his own mistakes. Um, Cause I know he says it starts with him, but I don't under, I don't think he really can self-assess um, in the way that the, as intense as where it needs to happen at this point.
1: Well, and he even said, like, oh, the guys we brought in to score didn't score. And some other guys on our team we expect to score uh, didn't live up to expectations this year. It's like, are you kidding me? Everybody with a brain could see that this team didn't have enough scoring this year. Heading into this year, like, just blows my mind that, you know, like, and the, the thing that bugs me the most is that a lot of his accountability is performative. He's like, can't use COVID as an excuse. Starts with me. It starts with me. Well, what do you fucking mean, dude? Like, come on. It's been five years of this. How does it start? How do you always take the blame yet never seem to take the blame? You're up there saying, yeah, I take the blame while blaming your acquisitions and the guys on the team. Like, it just blows my mind. His, because everyone's like, oh, see, Brad, he really takes responsibility. Does he really at the end of the day? Because if he really did, he would do like you just said, learn from his mistakes and do something different instead of just doing the same old shit every year.
0: Okay. We need to get into this because numb doesn't even know what he's talking about. Now you and I have been going going. we've been talking about this a bit because if you listen to Daryl enough times, right? We mentioned this on a, on a few podcasts ago, you'll probably, probably remember. Um, but Daryl talks about, yeah, if you know what to expect, if you want to know how to, what you're supposed to expect from guys, you look at their career averages you have to also factor that some guys are coming onto the scene so they're going to score more goal, they should score more goals than they have in the past and then you're going to have guys at the end of the season because one of these things that Brad kept on going on is individual performances this is one of the things the fan base has been going on about all season long individual performances whereas we're sitting here saying the fucking general manager didn't make the team good enough we don't have enough scoring power we don't have enough goal scorers same Daryl Sutter saying the exact same thing. I wonder why I texted you the other day. I said, you think, do you think uh, Brad Shirling has ever done this little experiment where you, you take, let's say your top nine forwards and you're probably your, your, know your, your best scoring D man and Mark Giordano look at their career numbers as an average and project how many goals they're probably going to score this season, divide all that by 82 You can have a pretty good projection of who you have on your roster, how many goals per game you're going to get. This is how Daryl Sutter thinks.
1: This is how he thinks post-game in a press conference, let alone on a macro level.
0: Just thinking out loud to himself. So we went and did Bradshaw Living's work for him. We should probably send him a bill, hey?
1: Yeah, we'll invoice him.
0: Because he's going on about individual performances. We're here to call fucking bullshit. He's the reason why this team wasn't good enough. Johnny Gaudreau, if you take his uh, career averages, is he coming or going? He's probably right in the middle of where he should be projecting or producing, right? You you wouldn't uh, really expect a taper off or coming on the scene with him. I don't think he's at the end of his his career. But if you look at his career averages, he should have had 18.5 goals this season. He had 19. Matthew Kachuk definitely should be trending up. So we are, all know he had a bit of a down season. He should have had seventeen. He had sixteen. So not too far off the mark.
1: One goal off.
0: Uh, Elias Lindholm should have thirteen. He had nineteen. There's your covering up for Matthew Kachuk's discrepancies. Giro should have had eight. He had nine. Monahan should have had twenty one point five. He only had ten. He was dealing with an injury for thirty games. So that's a little bit skewed as well. You can't you can't chalk up a guy playing through um, a hip injury that everybody's talking about was really hindering them and ex- ask him to play through it instead of going to get a surgery and then call that individual performance was good enough Manji uponi guy coming onto the scene right factoring that in should have had 11.5 goals based on his career he had 18 i mean goal across the board dubai too, too small of a sample size he hasn't even played a full season yet that was his first one but he would inflate your numbers as well. You got more production than you would have expected based on his average. Backland should have had 11.34 goals. He only had nine. Lucic, guy way at the end of his career, should he, based on career average, should have had 12, but you're not gonna expect 12 out of him. He has 10. Where is the big discrepancy across the board that points to this was an individual performance where the guys sucked?
1: Who are the multiple guys who quote-unquote underachieved this year so badly that you are this bad?
0: Everybody was right around at the, at the end of the day. When you look at the actual numbers, everyone was right around where they, they were projected to
1: be. Everybody so, except Sean Monaghan dealing with a shit ton of injuries. Literally everybody. And guys like Monjapani and Lucic exceeded. Now, you can take this one step further. You can add up all those, all those
0: goals, divide it, and figure out you know, how many goals per game you have. This is what Daryl Sutter does. He just thinks about it out loud after the press conference. I don't know what the average is. Maybe it's three point, it's probably like 2.8, right? So, but this is how he thinks. Tree Living, does have, he, there's no way he did this analysis. No, I think i will do the work next week. And he's not going to do this. We'll dive into it in a couple of weeks yet. Dissect the carcass.
1: The only carcass is the rotten smell coming from between your legs. <laughs> well, again, like I even think Gio is like a great case study. It's like everyone's like, oh, Gio underachieved. Did he? Here's his point totals over the past five years. 16, 17. This is in 81 games. He had 39 points. 17, 18, 82 games, 38 points. 2018, 2019 is the big season at 74. But then last season, he's up still at 31 over 60 games. That's like around 40, 40 points, 40, 50 points. And then this year, he has 26 points in 56 games, this Is the same range. Did Mark Giordano really underachieve? Because Brad Scherliffing said, oh, we need more offense from the defense. Like, did Mark D or Giordano do anything less than what you expected from him? offensively he had more being, goals than he did last year
0: being 38 years old like
1: what are you talking about johnny Gaudreau was on pace for what 70 plus points that's not right in his wheelhouse of what you expect from johnny Gaudreau. elias lindholm like what are you talking about dude sutter is dialed in
0: he even talks on the other side of the coin right he's talking about markstrom Bergstrom ended at, he, does, he said, I don't, if you didn't do the math today, it's probably around 2.6. He just knows off the rattled off the top of his head. 2.6 goals against average, times that by 82, you're going to know basically how many goals you're, you, can, you can get away with. And you, he says, you factor that into your team goals next season. Like, imagine sitting down and explaining this to Ward, your math teacher. He'd be like, Duh. huh so did you divide the what? Who?
1: Huh? Math teacher. as kid. Huh? <laughs> where does the emotion fit into this?
0: Uh, what's the E squared equation? What's the E that's variable all, mean? That's all I'm concerned about. <laughs> Daryl says you need a very analytical standpoint in terms of the metrics of the game. What, someone asked him, where do you go now in your offseason? He says you, you look at the analytics.
3: You spend a lot of time. Understand where you need to improve. Well, you basically take it from a very analytical standpoint and then and get into the, a lot of the metrics of the game and, and where you improved and where you need to improve. And, and at the end of the day, you, you, uh, you want to be a playoff team. You have to have your goals against in a certain range in the league and you have to have your goals for in a certain range in the league. And if you... Uh, I'll just Just a quick one would be jacob marchson 's goals against is probably you 'd have to check right now today, it 's probably around two six so if you so if you do that times eighty two then you know what your goals against in the league has got to be next year to be a playoff team because he ended up what six somewhere between six and ten in terms of goals against so number one that 's the number one priority as a team you can accomplish that uh, after that, it's based on personnel and getting guys healthy and getting them back to, to where they think they can get to be. I know you probably love hearing that. I love hearing that. And, I mean, again,
1: like, you look at how this team did improve under Daryl Sutter in terms of metrics and what they were doing on the ice. I posted this yesterday, but since he took over, this has been a top-10 team in terms of what they're doing on the ice eighth in expected goals for percentage fifth in shot attempts share fourth in expected goals against per 60 minutes. So allowing quality scoring chins against this was the fourth best team in the league since Daryl Sutter took over. They were not allowing anything. And if you take away the, the eight game,
0: a uh, nine game losing streak and you're looking at just their numbers since April expected goals for second in the league, Corsi for third in the league goals expected
1: or goals for actual fifth in the league. Unbelievable in the entire league, actual goals for. So then you want to come out and say, yeah, guys underachieved and we didn't get enough offense. Some certain guys get the fuck out of here.
0: They did you know what? These guys, they just don't hate to lose hard enough. Like you got to, you know, where it really hurts. That's what's wrong with this
1: team. Yeah. Where it really, really hurts. You need more guys guys like like that.
0: Guys like Matthew Kachuk that can't even, Fucking do a year-end interview without looking like he wants to jump off a bridge.
2: Yeah, he doesn't
0: hate to lose enough.
1: Guys like Sam Bennett who just scored again. Yeah, he doesn't hate losing. I bet if just Bennett scored like winning. ten more goals this year, we and I made the playoffs. Yeah, Bennett's like the new uh, Tobias Reader for the Oilers. Bennett's the new Reader. Well, that's what I was thinking about when Brad was talking about like how the new acquisitions didn't score enough and blah 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 underachieving. I was like, dude, you're straight up pulling an Edmonton Oil this year and saying, pulling a Tobias Reeder. If he had scored 10 goals, we might have made the playoffs.
0: Levo was fine. I bet you, we didn't pull his numbers, but he's right where he needs to be. Plus, if they had played played him half the year, he may have just scored a little more. Yeah, no shit. Plus, no shit when your acquisitions are fucking Joachim Nordstrom, Dominic Simone, and Brett Ritchie.
1: No fucking shit. They didn't score enough. Because they suck. Adam Rzichka finishes the season with more points than Dom Simone. <laughs> Every single one of
0: those reasons comes right back to you, Brad. You're the idiot that thought that it would have worked out in the first place. If, you're, if, if you actually... How long did that take us to do? 20 minutes and it wasn't very in-depth. Just a quick little crunch the numbers. Quick little number crunching. Based on, you know... Some things that Daryl Sutter has been just spouting off, and is—do you listen to your head coach? I think uh, Daryl might need to to teach Brad a few things in the off He might have to might have to do some GM training for him.
1: Just sitting in a boardroom, this is what expected goals against are. Bradley, do you know what a high danger chance is? Can you spell high danger chance? No, not pizza, not Hawaiian pizza. No, no. We're talking hockey here.
0: So Daryl Sutter is dialed right in. Brad, true living? Not so much. Not so much at all.
2: Daryl goes on to say um,
0: the whole thing about defense. I really like this point too. Because all you've heard from the fan base, from media, um, from everybody that's been question, have a question mark around, is Daryl Sutter still fit to coach in the NHL? Is Well, oh, he's just a defense guy. The team will be good defensively, but they can't score. And even though that is kind of where we're sitting, the perspective is a little askew, right? Because he's saying the whole thing about defense, the thing that some of you guys are continuously bringing up, that's outdated. The league is now about checking and it has been since the Boston Bruins started winning Stanley Cups. Like, they are the formula of the best checking team, St. Louis Blues. And we're not talking body checking to throw your body around. You don't have to be huge. You just have to be really good at checking. And what he's saying is, in order to do that, you need to play at high, high pace. Like, that's the, it's the number one thing he was driving when he started. It's the number one thing he's driving at the end of the season. That's also a good sign for me, that he's consistent in what he's pushing
1: well yeah and again like I I do and I, I made a big deal about this on the episode, on on the uh, show right after he was hired where people like oh he's just old school blah 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 like you just said it's about checking it's not about hitting right he's not some dinosaur who's like yeah go bang crash smash it's like' he's strategic that's Brad that's Brad though. that's Brad he's like oh you need to be big yep hard to play against yeah I mean You look at, I find it really interesting. You look at the players who thrived under, under Daryl Sutter. Johnny Gaudreau had 26 points after Daryl Sutter took over. Pretty sure he's in the upper, upper echelon of point getters over that time. Yep. Like, wasn't that the big thing? Oh, Gaudreau, he's in for it now. He is in for it now. Johnny Gaudreau. Francis is like drooling. He's like, oh, he's in for it. Oh. <laughs> comes out and puts probably the best 20 games we've seen from him in the last two years together. Totally. Like Elias, Andrew Mangiapane, he had 19 points. Like he was on a 50-point clip like we just discussed under Daryl Sutter.
0: Daryl even said, too bad they didn't put that top line together sooner. They probably would have made the playoffs. No if you, shit! If you would have done it six games sooner, he would just had so many other, sh- so many other things he was dealing with. You know what else might have helped me in the playoffs though? Not dress Richie and Nordstrom in your top six. Fuck. Well,
1: could've it was probably, funny too. On the same vein, a in, more games. yeah. In Johnny's uh, post, it, Johnny's season ending presser, he was talking about how nice it was to play with Chucky, and he's like, "Yeah, I've never in the five six years we've been here, I've." I've never played with Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> and then Johnny, you again, maybe throwing some shade at Brad. I doubt it, but you, pretty much he's like, yeah, we really haven't found a winger to play with. You know, we had that one year with Lindy. Oh, that one year. Oh, that one year where you were one of the best teams in the league. Right. Yeah. So, that so, one year so, that
0: we, we never want to ever
1: replicate again. Did you see what happened that year? You see what happened? You saw what happened. It's just funny how all these comments, like, are so the, the breadcrumbs lead right back to Brad Living not doing his job this summer. <laughs> like, yeah. almost every comment can be traced back to that indisputable fact.
2: Totally. It's
1: unbelievable. Like, it's just, I, when Daryl's talking about defense, right? Like, Defensively, like literally the fourth best team by the evolving hockey expected goals against model. Fourth best. Come on. You get a full season of that. Yeah, that's the thing. You get a full season of that, Brad. You don't bring in... Just the fact that... Yeah, that I can't even believe that stills who this day, man. We're talking about Ward, but
0: like still. like To me, that is... The biggest sign of like this guy, Brad's obviously in over his head. 100%. So that deer in the headlights look that he looks looks at, you know, when everyone just kind of starts to feel sorry for him because <laughs> he's in over his head.
1: I don't know, man. Uh, well, oh. I'm really curious to see what happens here over the next next week or so. From It sounds like it's business as usual, but I am curious. Given
0: the way things have rolled out in the last 48 hours. Where do you sit now? Do you still think there's a chance he gets fired? What do you think will happen? Well, I still you...
1: think I still think there's a chance because, like you said, I'm sure they're going to be asking Daryl for his assessment.
0: But if you're going to throw fifty bucks down on you know on in DraftKings tonight, does Daryl or does Bradshaw even
1: get fired in the next thirty-six hours? I mean, you asked me this question about a month ago, and I said it was 50-50. i I'm probably more like seventy, no, thirty, yes. Just because, like, I don't know, like, if they were going to do it, would they have let him do all the player exit meetings and he's, you know?
0: Yeah, they – you know what? Like, they – but, yeah, I agree. I think it's – I'm at 80 for 85% no, 15% maybe they do. And if they do, it's because they're waiting to do their final assessment based on, on talking to the head coach. Yeah, 100%. Because the organization, the owners – even though Brad tree living was part of this have pretty much gone out and say, "Okay, look, we're riding this team, this core what we've done over the last seven years, we're going Daryl's direction with it. Wherever Daryl can take us, that's as far as we're taking this thing. So this is kind of like a lot is riding on Daryl and he's in the, he's in the driver's seat. Daryl is in the driver's seat. So the owners might even just be like, I don't know. I bet you, I bet you what happens is they keep tree living but there's some sort of behind closed doors uh, meeting that takes place where Daryl Sutter now actually has some sway in terms of uh, the roster on this team. Well, like That's straight up, I guess.
1: honestly think that was part of the decision to bring him in to begin with. Yeah. yeah. Because it kind of reminds me of when they brought like Brian Birkin to oversee hockey operations with dipshit Jay Feaster. It was like, Okay, we're bringing in a big boy now. You know, like playtime's over there, Jay. Yeah, it's kind of what it reminds me of.
0: Yeah, and I, based on what we just spouted off about, and based on the assessment that we're able to hear from Daryl, I think we're in good hands. Personally, um, I know you and I we talked about this before jumping on, because everybody kind of remembers Daryl's like great coach, bad GM. So I know there was you know, people when, when the whole Sutter hiring this year took place, kind of being like, well, as long as he's nowhere near the GM position, I'm fine with it. But at this point, like you said earlier, I don't, I trust him over Brad at this point. So unless they're bringing someone in, I'm fine with it. If you yep. listen, if you listen to his summation of what went wrong, where the, where this team needs to get better, I think it's hundred percent bang on. Like I don't obviously I don't agree hundred percent. He, of the decisions he makes because he's got fucking Richie and Nordstrom in the top six and nine. I'm just hanging on to hope thinking that there's a, there's a method to that badness and maybe we don't know what that is, but let's am at with everything.
1: Yeah. I trust his assessment, even though if I don't always like, again, like I said, even to say what you want about the guys on ice um, tactics, how he's managed the roster, how he manages young players. Like the dude knows what's wrong with the team. The dudes know he's dialed in, he knows he he has an idea of how to fix what's wrong with the team. And I mean, maybe that's a pretty low bar, but it's <laughs> it's a hell of a lot better than what we're used to.
0: Dude, from compared to what we're used to, I mean, you want to talk about and I don't he listen, he he didn't. This is very subtle, something that maybe I'm reaching for. But when Daryl goes out and says that you know basically brad didn't have a proper assessment of what the team could produce going into the season along the same vein when he's talking about how ill-prepared this team was coming down from the head coach he doesn't go out and say that but obviously that's what he's talking about then he's saying the same thing too like jeff ward did not do a good job of preparing this team for the season and managing this team within season so again the calculation comes back to Brad, like you said, keeps calm, come falling back to Brad's lap. Brad's assessment of Jeff Ward and the calculation of the expectations of where Jeff
1: Ward was at was way off as well. 100%. And again, like this is what I was going on on this rant last time. It's like, and you heard Lucci talk about this too. He was talking about his days in Boston, and he's like, we set a standard there in my time there. So- and that standard to this day is still the standard. And it's that's why they're so good. It's like yeah. Daryl said, the standard was nowhere close to where it needed to be when I took over. That's what he's doing. That's what all these decisions that, yeah, maybe it pissed you off over the last few weeks that Markstrom's still playing, that guys who, you know, maybe shouldn't be playing in, in favor of kids are playing. That's what he's trying to do.
0: Yeah. And I, and I would argue that that goes back to, Glenn Goldson as the head coach, even
1: Hartley. 100 percent Because okay, like who, who, who spoke today who are you were like, same old shit. Who are the two guys?
0: Well, Backlund, Geo. They don't they don't sound like they ever change their tone.
1: Backlund and Geo, two of the guys who the GM, the GM says Geo sets the tone for the whole organization. He does. Well, no wonder <laughs> we're so lackluster then. Because Backlund and Gio were the first two guys up. And I mean, again, I love these guys, but we've been kind of on this little, pulling at this string a little bit lately of like, these are the two guys who are supposed the team sees as the as two of the main leaders, right? Yep. And that's probably a problem right now because if you listen to them, what did they say? Oh, Gio's talking about how they did a lot of good things this year. You know, did a lot of good things. And Backlund's like, Oh, I love everybody in the room. We're such, such a bunch of good guys in there. You know, oh, everybody's good. It's all good. We're all good. Right. Just like same old shit. Same old shit. Same old stuff. Like, and then he gets to Daryl and he's like listing all these things that, you know, critical analysis of things that are true and not wrong. You get to Chucky. He's pissed. He says, I didn't play the way I nearly the way I wanted to play. He says, I'm not using the difficulties of this season as an excuse. I mean, you get Johnny up there. He was pretty upfront for what he usually says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucic straight up said, you know, we were frustrated this year. Crept into our game. Things, we got into a hole we can get out of. Like all these guys taking accountability. Markstrom pretty much said, you know, I was dog shit this year. I was no good. I need to be way better next year. All of these guys come up and you know, take responsibility and sound accountable. And you're like, yeah. And you can literally see if you watch Chucky today, dude is pissed. Oh, yeah. He didn't want to be there. He did not want to be there at all. And then you okay. see Geo and Backlund and they're just like, okay. happy to be here. So you want to talk about it, like going back to Glenn Goldson. Well, those are two guys who have been. And again, I love those two guys. Those are two guys who have been mainstays of the leadership group since that time. Right. Yeah. And you can see. If that's the leadership group, if Gio is the guy who's setting the standard for the entire organization. It's no wonder it's not good enough. And once again,
2: who are Glenn Goldson?
1: See, that's the thing that is, I guess under talked about too, right? In the whole, oh, it's not the players. It's got to be, the, it can't be the coaches. They've had 10 coaches. Yeah, but dipshit has never hired a proper coach. Can you believe he fired Bob Hartley <laughs> and took 28 years to hire Gullitson? Peters,
2: Peters was not a bad
1: hire, but then, fuck. Peters was his buddy who he was too hesitant to get rid of when he should have. And then, you know, the story with Ward. So this has been building for a long time. Like, and he, Daryl even said it, he's like, he was talking about the pace of the game and, and getting the guys up to the NHL standard. He was like, this doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, I know because this has been something that's been instilled in this team for five, six years under shitty head coaches. Yeah.
0: He said the pace of the game, they, the team by, by season's end, they had made the adjustment but he says it's not you have to keep working on it. And he alluded to a summer of training. A summer of training. Imagine that, eh?
1: So Sutter is obviously going to be involved in what these players are doing in the offseason. They're gonna be doing chores at the farm, hopefully. It's <laughs> just one big bubble at the farm. <laughs> Johnny's gonna be up at 4 a.m. milking cows, throwing bales. He's going to love that, eh?
0: Uh, where are the Skittles, guys? <laughs> so, Pike asked uh, Daryl about – I love this question. Um, the coaching staff, are you, going to heat, you know, maybe it's too early, Daryl, but, you know, are you giving any thoughts of, 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 you know, the coaching staff around you? Is that going to change now that we're heading into the offseason here? And Daryl kind of says, well, I haven't
1: thought about it, blah, blah, blah. You
0: know he's going to change it, dude. You can just tell. Yeah, he's going to change
1: it, right? There's very little doubt he's going to make a couple changes.
0: And honestly, with where he's got us playing, and you know that, look, this team's not blowing it up. Come on. Anybody still thinks that's a possibility, you're obviously not paying attention to what this team is, is doing. Like, read the signals. I just, the, going along with that, though, I don't see, if, if Daryl got us to this point, we could continue at it. And Brad, you're Living, God forbid does his fucking job. I do not see how this is not a playoff team next season, especially if we're back to the regular Pacific division. Did you see that, that thing thrown up that it by all respective points, if the Pacific division, if you took the points, the Calgary flames accumulated, even though we were under 500, we still would have made the playoffs in the Pacific division.
1: If it was the regular teams would have been Vegas, one Edmonton two, Calgary three, we still had more points than Arizona. So
0: I just don't, I don't see how you're not a playoff team. So if you're, if this is a playoff team, because now we got the, we got the Daryl came in and did what he was supposed to do. Get this, get the things back on track, get things turned around. I think we're a playoff team. Why would you blow up your team if you're a playoff team?
1: Well, it's not even why it's that they're not going to do it. And again, like we keep saying, like, you're out to lunch if you think this team just signed Jacob Markstrom to a thirty-six million dollar contract and hired Daryl Sutter. If you think they're going to blow it up, and for better or for worse, they're going to be in the mix next year because again, with this team, with this, with this roster, without Sean Monahan, with 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 a quarter of Sean Monahan, Chris Tanneff playing with broken ribs and a ripped pec, with no Noah Hannifin, with Brett Ritchie in the top six, Daryl Sutter still had this team. Playing some really good hockey. Well, we threw the numbers. Some of the best hockey in the league, top four, top three. With Jacob Markstrom playing through, coming back from concussion, like with all these different things, he still had them playing really good hockey. And you know what? When it was all said and done, they almost did make it, really. So, if you don't think this team is going to be in the mix next year, I don't know what you're talking about, because they're going to be.
0: Yeah. One of the other things I always kind of look for and we definitely saw it today is, I mean, we just mentioned it. Daryl's talking about the summer preparation that needs to go in. You're talking about players up on the podium, Lindholm and Markstrom. These guys get it, right? They were pretty candid and they even said, they alluded to it. They said, it's going to take a summer of preparation. So the thing that I say I look for that is good that I see is Already, because Daryl is, is telling us one thing. The players are telling us the same thing. It means Daryl's already communicated the message
2: to the team of what needs to happen.
1: Again, I don't know. To the, me on the, the same page. The theme, yeah, exactly. And the theme I kept taking was multiple guys mentioned, like you already said, the highs and the lows, the consistency. That's where they need to figure it out. I'm pretty sure Lynn Holm said that. I know Lucci said that. I know Johnny said that. And part of that is how prepared are you with your goal setting, right? It's easy
0: to, to get too high when you, when you don't have any goals. Oh, we won a game? The season's turned around, guys. We won a game. We must be on track. Well, yeah, you won a game, but you got outchanced 22-7 by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Is that part of your internal goals? Are you hitting the how of the what of of the what? Where are you going? Of how you're going to get there? Did you? Is that how you're going to get there by getting out a chance twenty two to seven by the Toronto Maple Leafs? Uh, all, yes, it is by all according intents and Jeff. purposes. <laughs> yeah, according to Danny Austin and Jeff, the season's turned around now. Hey, Coach. Yep. So. It's funny when you get closer to the the end of the season, you hear about all these injuries that you had no clue about. Confirmed, like you mentioned, Markstrom had a concussion. He was pretty lights out. Uh, First 20 games in, pretty damn lights out. Got overplayed by Jeff Ward, led to an injury. Then he stunk when he had a rebound from that, and then he ended up being almost not quite as good as near the end of the season, but pretty great
1: to, to end the season. Well, yeah, I've been hard on him. Now that I know he had a concussion, which nobody ever said, like that changes a lot. <laughs> yeah.
0: Same thing with Monaghan. I mean, yeah. we shit all over him. We stood up for him as long as we could. Then we had to shit all over him. Now it's just like, okay, 30 games with a hip, hip injury. Let's see what he can do with a fresh body. The thing is, I guess now we know if Sean Monahan is not scoring. He's injured. <laughs> So the one thing I was thinking about putting these notes together is Markstrom, you, got, you do have a pretty solid goaltender. You do. We need their backup. Is Big Save Dave coming back to Calgary? Because Toronto's not resigning him. No, no chance. I, don't, I, I, bet, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back. Would you?
1: I would not be
0: surprised in the least. You know he wants to come back here. You know his teammates want him here.
1: Would
2: not be surprised in the least.
1: Because, again, he's going to come in at a nice, low, affordable dollar figure. Maybe you give him a show-me deal, something like that. Give you another year so you can earn a contract somewhere else or here. Something like that. Wouldn't be surprised at all. Like, if you're David Riddick, you think where you else are you going to go?
0: You think you want, want to go tour around with another team? COVID's probably not going to be over yet, or you want to go back home? Come back home, baby.
1: Dave, we love you. Come home.
0: Dave. All the irons are kinked out, Markstrom. This is his team. You're just a backup again, for real this time. Come on, back
1: home, buddy. You won't get thrown into Game Six of a playoff game in an elimination game where you haven't played for eight months. None of that shit. We'll take care of you, Daryl. Take care of you, Daryl. Take real good care of you. Okay.
0: So you brought this up, Kachuk. Um if you're reading between some lines,
4: Kachuk was ob- he
0: dude noticeably pissed
4: honestly like I said there there are stretches where um you know I thought more often than not, especially early I was playing well um, and uh, you know I think there is there's uh there's moments around the halfway mark where it just it, it started to started to turn for me so um had a couple of tough stretches whether it was um, you know a month there or, um a few weeks there where you know couldn't. Couldn't do anything out there, so um, you know wasn't wasn't producing, wasn't playing much, just just kind of everything. So, um, but definitely we'll be able to 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 figure out why that was um, over these ne- this next little bit and uh, come back and get ready to play my best uh, my best I've I've ever played next year. So like we like we mentioned, didn't even want
1: to be talking about the season; just wants to go home and just start training. He's probably he's probably training right now, eh. He's probably on the plane on a treadmill or something. Hopefully he get he, he hopefully he's got one of those power skating devices at his house. Dude, get your foot speed up. Like seriously, did
0: you see him on on this last game where Valamaki makes a terrible mistake
1: yeah. and then his
0: effort to stop I was like who was that?
1: It was Horvat.
0: The effort to stop Horvat is just to just go just to fall down.
1: And he blows, yeah, he just blows tire, yeah. Like
0: he just fell down. You think you didn't even try to get in his weight? Oh, I'm
1: just gonna fall down. Do get some get some P90X, Tony Horton plyometrics, Matt. Tony Twist. What
0: doesn't he work out with Roberts
1: or is that somebody else? I think it's somebody else. But seriously, go see Gary Roberts, Matthew. Get they do some do some of those ladder workout foot speed drills, buddy. So he mentioned that because uh, he was get Chucky was getting asked about
0: you know, how things changed when, when Daryl took over and he said, yeah, it was an adjustment. He had less ice time. His role changed a bit. And I don't know either. He was just really pissed about the whole situation of the season just want to be over and done with, or maybe there's, there's something going on there where he's a little upset going from coach to coach. How, how did the adjustment go for you?
4: Um, just didn't play as much from the get-go. Um, so that was an adjustment. So, um, you know, had to, to to get used to that, and definitely role changed a little bit. So, had to get used to that a little bit. Um, but other than that, there's still hockey at the end of the day. You still have to go out and um, I know what type of player I was or I am, and I was once. Um, so, uh, I definitely think uh, there. I definitely think there was an adjustment. to to trying to change it or whatever, and so I just I want to get back to the way I the way I was because I know that's uh, that can help this team.
0: Hard to hard to know, um, but it sounds to me like
1: he knows he wasn't good enough. Um, I, I don't
0: know. Do you did you read into anything else there?
1: I don't know. I probably read into it a bit much after I heard Lucic talking because Lucic specifically mentioned he was talking about like you know putting putting team performance over individual performance and saying things like very forthrightly like if your ice time drops you need to be able to deal with that like
5: when everyone buys into it you know regardless of you know let's say you want to play 15 minutes but you're playing 11 minutes you know but you're but you're winning and you're happy and you're still getting you know what you get out of it that's that's what feels good at the end of the day but at the end of the day you have to buy into it as an individual. um, You know, because you can have the best, you know, leaders in the world. We can even bring in, you know, whatever, whoever the best coach is of all time and whoever the best captain is of all time. But as an individual, if you don't buy into it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So, um, yeah, I just think, you know, you got to step outside your comfort zone sometime. I mean, I look at myself and... You know, I went from a, you know, first line, top six guy, and, you know, now I'm, you know, a guy that needs to accept what I am right now. And, you know, when I do and I help the team win, that's more satisfying than anything. And 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 that's, that's just one example of an individual stepping out of their comfort zone to do what's best for the team. And I think that's what needs to be done uh, moving forward in order to, uh For the team to win,
1: and then having heard Kachuk specifically say, "Yeah, my ice time was reduced." I don't know. I don't. I didn't know how to respond. I don't know. Maybe I'm pulling an Eric Francis and creating controversy where there is none. But based on Kachuk's response and what he was like and how pissed he was, and what Lucic was saying, like I don't know. Maybe there's some tension between Chucky and his teammates still. Because I mean, that's still that's still a lingering storyline. Is whatever happened after the Muzzin incident. Seems to have had an effect on Chaw.: Yeah,
0: he did say that when his ice time went back up, playing on the top line with Johnny, he feels like that's more of his game. I'm, i I still feel, I feel confident that whatever is or did happen or is going on or was going on, will get all ironed out now that Sutter's the coach. Like you know, next season Sutter's going to coach the the team for the whole season. Yeah. There's going to be no, that's it. Yeah, exactly. He's not getting fired. Even if, even if this team is last in the division, they're, they're selling all assets and and Sutter will still be the coach at the end. Like that's, that's not a card anybody is looking at playing. So given that, and, and sometimes you need that as a player, like you need the stability, right. To know. So these guys need to know, okay, well I got to figure this out. I just kind of feel like the whole Chucky situation as long as uh Daryl's there it, it's going to be fine. It might not be great. Like everybody might not
1: might not love it. Like he Well, Darryl shit, loves- man. Here he like sorry to cut you off, but it's like I know what I was saying maybe there's some tension there. Maybe that's a good thing, you know? Cuz like this fucking country club Jeff Ward everybody's best friends shit has sure not yielded good results. I agree.
0: Like, you know, you learn about it in management. Well, I learned about it in management classes. Like there's a storming phase that disagreement is good because it leads you to something better around the corner if you get through it, but you can't stay hung up on it. But yeah, I agree. And I kind of feel like if you look at Daryl, it's very obvious he loves his vets, right? When he talks about leadership, he's always talking about Gio, Tanev, Luigi, those guys. And he, he keeps alluding to how young Kachuk is.
1: He had, a and, great, he had a great quote today where somebody – he was like, how, how old is Kachuk? Yeah, somebody. Yeah. The guy's like, oh, 23. He's like, there you fucking go, you idiot. <laughs> it was great. Yeah.
0: And I kind of just feel like Sutter is creating a – and bring it back to what you're talking about not too – like a little earlier in terms of what those guys left in Boston is still there today. Another part of the reason why Sutter was brought in was to literally actually, for real, for once,
2: create a new atmosphere in the organization.
1: And not in a bullshit, yeah, I'm going to let the boys play musical the Jumbotron way. And not in a bullshit, Glenn Galdson lets the boys crack some beers on the train to Montreal way. In a real, in a real way, <laughs> identity.
0: Yeah, because that's one of the that's one of the biggest cliché things. As soon as oh, like oh, here we go again with the identity. Like this is for real this time. I think that's what Daryl's bringing in because he knows how to do it. and He knows what identity of winning looks like. He can identify it. he's, he's been part of it. He's mm-hmm. been around the game long enough. And so I just look at the situation. I think I agree. I think all this stuff going on, and if there is tension, I think this is probably good for Chucky and the way that Daryl is taking this team doesn't make, I, I'm going to retract on what I said previously. I don't think it makes sense for Chucky to be the captain right now. I think he's going to, he's going through his own refinement, his own pressure cooker. We talk about pressure cooking this team. Yeah. I think Chucky is going through that. And when he comes out the other end, we're going to see a much more mature player. That's what I
1: think. Yeah. And again, like for, it's kind of funny to me when like right now, the big thing is to like, Oh, trade Kachuk for Eichel. Uh, What are we going to do about Kachuk? Like, dude, come on. He's still 23 years old and he's still your best player. Maybe save Johnny Gaudreau. He's still your best player. Yeah.
0: And look, we don't agree with a hundred percent of the things Daryl does, but I agree with him and I think he's, I believe in him enough to not care about the remaining whatever percentage, because I, if he doesn't see it as an issue, then I don't think it's a true issue of us standing the way of winning. I think he'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, totally. 100%. Very well put. So if there is tension between the team, like like you said, maybe
0: if, if Lucic's bringing up things that, you know, Chucky's saying on the other side of the perspective,
1: Maybe it's a good thing. Well, and it's, it's right. Like, what did we say last time when we were talking about or tanking or whatever? It's like, do you want to be Buffalo or do you want to be Boston? Yeah. There's
0: no way Chucky does not rebound
1: next year. I'm, I'd be willing to put down a lot of money on that. Dude, it's not even up for discussion. Dude is, again, he was good this year. He just couldn't score a goal. That's it. That's the only thing he couldn't do. He could not finish this year. Otherwise, he was fine. Maybe he so they, wasn't his usual past self, but he was still on the ice. When Matthew Chug's on the ice, Flames are a better team, period.
0: Other injuries, like you mentioned, comes out Tanner had what? They said multiple broken ribs, did it not? Yeah. A torn pec, was it? Pectoral muscle. Torn pectoral muscle with multiple broken ribs from that illegal check. From Pierre-Luc Dubois that wasn't even called. Boarding, checking
1: for behind, charging. I like how Sam Bennett gets suspended for his hit. Where is the suspension on PLD for that absolute horseshit hit on Tanev? Didn't, the even, guy, get a, didn't even get a penalty.
0: He was further away from the boards. I guess it was a little more side-on-side. Side. It wasn't as dangerous. It's pretty reckless, though. But, yeah. It's terrible. Injured a player. How did, he misses, Tanev misses one practice. And he's playing games with broken ribs and a torn pec? Is he even a real person? Is this basically a carbon copy of Mark Giordano? Or are these guys uh, Petri dish twins? or They train together. <laughs> oh, man. These guys are beasts. Could you imagine?
1: Ugh. Like, And that's the other thing that's so incredible about his bounce back season is that he was playing hurt through half of it.
0: And then even at garbage time, when you're out of it, he still finishes the yeah. season. Like, what? Like, they pull a Monahan out. How's your, uh, your peck, Tanev? Chris, how's your peck feeling? Yeah, you know, uh, it hurts when I scratch my face, but other than that, it's pretty good. Okay, well, we've got three more games left. to get. Let's to form a go.
1: Card. You're playing Connor McDavid a couple more times. Go at him.
0: More injury news: Dubé is out, concussion. Fucking sucks, man. I mean, good time of year to get a concussion, right when the season's ending. But and you're heading
1: to the World Championships.
0: Sucks, man. Because isn't that his second or third?
1: I think it's his second for sure. It totally sucks.
0: I mean, the good the, the reason why I say good timing is. The best thing for a concussion is just no contact for a yeah, little bit.
1: Yeah, I'm glad he's not going to the Worlds because, like, that would have been a – yeah, get healthy there, bud.
0: That's it for the injury front, eh?
1: Yeah, like I said, Markstrom concussion, that really changes a lot of criticism from him. For me, he's never had a concussion before. That's a lot harder to deal with, especially as a goalie, man. Like, holy – Totally. Like, it's one thing to, you know – be able to skate around, but to be able to track pucks and be that focused with coming off a concussion, like shit, that's, that's probably really rough. Yeah. The, um,
0: the other, the other kind of interesting thing I took away from some of the interviews was with Gio getting asked about potentially going to Seattle.
1: Boy, everyone was. this was the topic du
0: jour today. Apparently. <laughs> well, if you're Eric Francis, I mean, nothing's changed. Apparently the only question he can muster is, so, is yeah, this potentially your last game is a last day in a Calgary Flames uniform? Or... Were you thinking that at all that it's
2: your last game? Gio's like, oh, no. what
1: are you talking about, you stupid idiot? Sutter shut Francis
3: down hard. What sort of assets you want added, not just you know particular players, but... What does this team need more of in the offseason Like it's an irrelevant question, Eric. Can you? I just answered that based on the fact that with you don't know what your what your team will lose in terms of expansion or UFA. And total. he kind
1: of shut up for the rest of the day. It was nice, dude.
3: Sutter is still
1: pissed with Francis. Francis isn't Sutter's doghouse right now, as he should be. And he kind of he. How did he get in his doghouse? Because. Daryl was kind of friendly with him at the beginning. At the beginning, there was like their best buds from high school. I had a big problem with that. It was like, yeah, it was like at the beginning, Daryl was like, he didn't, his question, he knew his questions were dumb, but he would just kind of like, you know, playfully give it to him. Now he's just like, he's had it, man. It's awesome. Now he's just like, looks
0: at the camera. What kind of a question was that? (laughs)
1: Looks
0: at the, looks at the moderator. Some of these guys don't want us to win. Hard to believe. Now, Eric asked this question, and the answer is that's irrelevant. Your question is irrelevant. Next, here's here's why. Next.
1: <laughs> oh, thanks, Coach. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, Coach. <laughs> he's like
0: he's like one of those guys who's just like has one of those mistresses, eh? <laughs> All he can say is thank you and yes. Thank man. you.
1: Thank you. Yes, Coach. Yes, sir.
0: Anyways, Geo to Seattle. Well. Brad was asked about it and
1: I, I don't just before so I don't know why they ask. I guess I guess you have to, but like what in God's name is yeah, we're unprotect we're leaving him unprotected. Next question, like, well, here's the thing though, Daryl or
0: uh, sorry, Brad did say Gio is one of the best leaders he's worked with, but he says this is also a business. I don't see Given how, how much high praise Daryl has for Geo and the way he did turn a season around, I don't see them. I don't see them exposing him. If anything, they're exposed for Sanderson.
1: Here's what's going to happen. I've been saying this forever. They're going to expose them, but they're going to pay Seattle to not take them. That's what's going to happen. I can pretty much guarantee you that. I think, eh? I think they're going to send you don't them don't a pick, they're... send them a prospect to not take. They're going to, they're probably going to do it. They shouldn't, but they probably will. Would you expose Rasmus Anderson? Do you think he's he'll bounce back? Here? I would not expose Rasmus Anderson. He's still too young. Like, even from an asset management point of view, like, even if he does suck again next year, he's still a young D-man on a pretty team-friendly contract. Um, so, yeah, no. I, I would expose, honestly, I would expose Tanev over Anderson. Just because he's young and under cost control. Yeah, and Tana's
0: on a big contract. If you lose him, you're not extremely heartbroken, even yeah. though he was, a, even though he was your best player.
1: This yeah. And again, I don't think they're going to expose Tana, but I would be surprised to say the least. If they left Gio, if they, if they left Geo completely unprotected and did nothing from, for Seattle to, to not take him. Cause I know everyone's like, Oh, Seattle wouldn't take him. I think they would. It's All true. things be. Yeah. You take Gio. Like again, like he had a really rough start, but he was a, back to normal
0: well and you got ron francis man he's one of those yeah like he's, he's an old school
1: veteran guy right he's just gonna he's gonna see the value in veteran leader, leadership so and again like down the stretch back to top pairing material you're not gonna pass up on a guy who's won the norse trophy and is still i, th- I think geo still has some good hockey in him so if he was left exposed i think he would i think he would be selected that's just my assumption
0: the other little tidbit flames related is Chucky is eligible to be
1: re-signed, but you got to do it at The qualifying offer. Yeah. Johnny as well. He, they're both eligible. I think July one. Oh yeah. And big surprise.
0: Johnny <laughs> says he'd love to stay here. Loves it in Calgary. Even goes out to say, I've never actually said, I don't like it here. Hint, hint.
1: Wait, what? He said that, that must mean he, he's lying. He's lying. He's obviously lying. I mean, yeah. If, uh, you know tree and the owners and uh are happy with the way i
0: i've uh i've played here in the past six seven years uh and uh it's something we can uh you know figure out this uh upcoming summer and i I would love to do that i I love the city of calgary i I love playing here I don't think I've ever not once said i wouldn't haven't wanted to be here um you know the guys in the locker room are great in there and uh I've always enjoyed my time here so if that's something that um you know is, comes up this summer it's something that uh you know i'd be uh very willing to do and and try to get done liar so either you're lying this is pinder now to francis either you're lying straight up or you know something we don't know which one is it like,
1: I know, <laughs> mommy mommy <laughs> I know people are like, well, "What's Gaudreau supposed to say?" It's like, well, if you really didn't want to stay with a team, you wouldn't come out come out and say, "If the team wants me, I would love to talk about re-signing an extension, and I want to win a Stanley Cup here." Like that's not something you just say if you don't want to play somewhere, you know? Yeah, I and mean, you go always look at how guys say it. You got to read the body language too. So like I don't He's know. I, the truth. I don't know how much more clear Johnny Gaudreau could be, and like this is then the thing that has always driven me crazy about the Gaudreau detractors and the guys who are like chip him out, chip him out is like all we ever hear about is in Calgary. if Nobody wants to play here, right? Like you can't sign talent, right? Like Mark Stone, you know, if you like that was part of the reason they ended up not trading for him because they couldn't, you know, negotiate a contract extension long term with him because he wanted to be in Vegas. Nazem Kadri, I'm not using Kadri as an example of a star player, but, I mean, how many times do you hear, like, who, can, who wants to come to Calgary, right? Like, it's a hard thing to sell guys on. You've got a guy here who wants to be here. If he wants to be here, keep him. That's what I've never understood. It's like. And
0: you, and you know that Johnny Gaudreau and his family as well, because I think it's his family that <laughs> it, it hates Francis more than Johnny does. Totally. But you know they're along the same vein as you where They just now want to sign us in spite of Francis. (laughs) Was that You're going to get
1: married out of spite? Yes! (laughs) How long is this going to go on for? I'll get married if I have to. But I mean, seriously, like, come on. If the dude wants to be here, you can negotiate a decent deal. Get it done. And again, like we've talked about, like... On the list of things that went wrong this year, how far down the list do you have to go before you get to like, yeah, Johnny Gaudreau wasn't good enough? It's not even on the list. It's not even on the goddamn list. So, I mean, even really-
0: when this team stunk, he was the only guy scoring goals.
1: Like again, he lead- he led this team in scoring again. For all the talk about how yeah he sucks now, Lindholm's the best player, still led the team in scoring. And was easily the best player outside of maybe Chris Tanev. So he scored a half goal more than his career average. How yeah, but it's under just a couple guys underachieved, and that's why we. Yeah, did a lot of well. in, a lot of individual
0: oh. poor performances this season. Oh. So that's what got us into this mess.
1: Yeah, and I mean the way. Oh, I, is, my p- <laughs>
0: is my pizza ready? Did <laughs> I hear a... ding? Was that a timer
1: going off? I hope I it's s- Hawaiian. Get the dishes. Hawaiian pizza's here. And I mean, the way, the way I look at it is you go one of two ways. You, tr- you, you finally make a big trade and get Gaudreau the help he needs. Or you just kind of rearrange. You do kind of what you did last year and hope Daryl Sutter is enough. Because for all the talk, again, of like the Gaudreau trade, I don't even think it makes sense at this point. If you are going for it next year, which you are, based on what we heard today, you know, Based on that as business as usual, you're gonna be in the mix next year. Now it's not the time to trade. That time that ship has sailed, in my opinion. Yeah. If you're gonna trade Gaudreau, it should have been, it would have been done last summer. Like, if you're giving this one sh- one more shot, like you're you're keeping him, you're not or trading he- your best player in a season where you're gonna, yeah, we're going for it. Like, that's not gonna happen. I'm sorry.
2: Yep. Yeah.
0: And Daryl's probably going to have this conversation with with Brad of how these numbers break down and say, you're going to score with this roster. You're going to score the same amount of goals next season. Here's why. Look at all their career averages. Oh. But in, in Boston pizza training, if you put a couple extra toppings on, you can upsell that for three times the amount.
1: Oh man, this is
2: good.
0: So do you want to touch the checky resigning thing or would you do would you resign him?
2: Well, I wouldn't re I don't
1: worry. I don't know, it's kind of an interesting discussion because as everybody knows, his qualifying offer starts at 9 mil. So that means his next contract starts with nine is starts at $9 million. So and that's and that's at the end of next season. Yeah, that's the end of next season. So the question is do you negotiate with him now and maybe try to like, I'm with, I think we're both in agreement is you probably wait to see yep. what you got. Might as well. But then what if he comes out and scores hundred points next year? Then he's going to say, look, I owe you one. I, f- I was, I was garbage this season before. <laughs> does he,
0: <laughs> you know, it.
1: or does he squeeze Brad's balls as he should, dude? He was garbage this season. So for for my from my standpoint, I would try to get it done as soon as possible. Why don't you? If if it's okay, if I'm
0: Brad, my big splash this season is I'm re-signing Chucky and Johnny this off season, and I'm bringing in. I'm going. I'm bringing somebody in. I'm going for it. So
1: you gotta, yeah, exactly. I'm with you. You gotta bring in. And again, at he's least... 23, right? Like lock him up. Like how many guys have you seen around the league at this age locked up already? Like.
0: You need at least at least another twenty goal scorer. If you can get a thirty goal scorer, wham bam, thank you man. I'm like let's go, we're ready. We I think we have what it takes.
1: And I mean, maybe then play Josh maybe Levo, for yeah, sake. play Levo. Jeez, maybe maybe with Chuck, you wait and see where the cap is going to be at. Like I would be pretty surprised if they extended him this summer, where yeah, everything's won't. at. So, Johnny maybe that's a different story though. I could see yeah. him extending this somewhere for sure. Yeah. Johnny's different. Well, isn't Chucky RFA? Yeah, Johnny will be hitting UFA and Chucky'll still be still be restricted, so I, I And again, like if Johnny Goudreau, a guy who could test free agency, no matter your opinion on him, if that guy goes to UFA, he is getting paid.
0: Definitely getting paid.
1: Like through the roof paid. If he's willing to negotiate a contract extension, a year before he goes to unrestricted free agency, he's not even willing to test the market. You sign, you, you do what we were joking about. What he does with Brett Ritchie. You give him the check, tell him to write it down. And then you sign the check. And then that's that. Very rarely, very rare is the occasion where a star player hits unrestricted free agency and doesn't want to test the market. If that situation arises, you sign him and you Just like you, you just sign him and run.
0: And look, he's not going to Jersey. He's not going to Philly. If he goes anywhere, he's going to
1: Boston. He's going to play with his buddy, Taylor Hall. Can you imagine? Holy shit. Can you imagine a Bergeron? (laughs) Somebody threw it out there that Eichel is going to go to Boston. Like, can you imagine Eichel being the heir apparent to Bergeron? That'd be the next LA. Lakers. Eh? Holy shit, dude. anyways, I was re- i I know Johnny Drew made a lot of the fans happy by saying that, and I love that he clarified, I've never. I don't think I've ever said I didn't want to be here. Fuck nuts? Hey, fuck stick in the back. The guy that literally looks like a fuck stick.
2: <laughs> yeah, you. D-bag. nice to get teabagged. bagged
1: <laughs> Never once. Fuck. Are they going to fire him? They, and I they think it, I think it was also interesting what Gaudreau said about, you know, like he, he said it in not too many words, but he was like, I didn't really have a winger all year. Like I mentioned earlier, he was talking about how, yeah, I've never played what with do you the mean? Get, Brett Ritchie. But it, like he straight up said, we had that one year with Lindy. It was like the dude, like we've said this a million times. Hockey players are smart. These guys are intelligent. Guys like a Chuck, They know what's going on. And he, now, knows. he when they, he sees Brett Richie on his wing, he knows that this now, is ridiculous. He goes, you know, he goes home when he's texting his dad. He's like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. He's like, gee,
0: Papa G what's going on.
1: What is going on? I'm playing with Brett Ritchie. So like,
0: he's probably just like it's
2: that. It's that fucking Boston pizza guy. You got up there. <laughs>
1: So I don't know it was, it's kind of weird. Like, are you feeling everybody other than Brad tree living had me feeling kind of optimistic for next season, to be perfectly honest, which is kind of weird, isn't it? 100%. That's where I'm at. I feel good. It's weird. It is really and I, weird. And I actually,
0: listen, if it was up to Brad tree living and we had Jeff Ward at the helm and you just know, like whatever you say, Brad, I'm happy yeah. with whatever you give me, but Daryl's just going to be like,
1: Go get me this, or I will literally punch you. (laughs) Like, I will beat you up if you don't do it. Brad's going to be the one at the farm doing chores this year.
0: Okay, last couple uh, housekeeping here. Um, So, we win the last game. We don't even have to go through it. The only things to touch on is Mackie gets his first goal, and Phillips plays his first game. Phillips. Boy, Medi boy. Should have had a goal, man. Oh, man. Eric Francisco scored that.
1: I don't know about that. Your Francis. can't even skate. He would have been too busy telling everybody how bad they suck. Yeah? Hey, you suck, Donnie. You suck. <laughs> Skating down the ice, his own team. He's like the happy <laughs> Gilmore guy. You suck. Hey, he's like, Gilmore. Uh, he's like the opposite of that. you can do. He's like, you can't. He's like, Gianna Breakaway. He's like, you can't do it. <laughs> you suck. Yeah, Philip should have had that. It was a little too hot of a pass from Backland. I thought Phillips looked fucking great. Dude, he was great. Had a couple scoring chances. Like, hey, but there,
0: there's there's a shock factor when you see how small this guy is. I'm yeah, like, dude, I, this guy he, looks like a pin on the
1: TV. He literally is like looks like Theo Flurry because he's got the right-hand shot, the white stick tape, he's wearing 41. He looks he's a spitting image of Theo. It's weird when he's on the ice, just like a little water bug out there. And to clarify. For everybody complaining about uh, Daryl
2: not
0: playing Phillips. I didn't
1: hear it, but you did. So
0: you might as well say what Daryl.
1: Well, this may have been, this is Daryl being Daryl, but um, they were everyone, you know, everyone's all upset about no young guys that Daryl was talking about how they played everybody. They could, and somebody's like, what about Phillips? He's like, I'm pretty sure you have to be on the NHL roster. And everyone's like, well, do you want him on the roster? He's like, talk to Brad. That's Brad.
0: All right. Well, rapid fire. We won't go into any series, but we'll just cover any any kind of blaring things. The The, the Canes go up 2-0. It looks like they, they got that in lock. Tampa Bay uh, went up 2-0. What's the score right now? Sam Bennett scored tonight. My boy, Sammy the boy. Is, the game is in progress
1: as we speak. Is it still 2-0? Checking right now. It's 2-0 still. Three holy okay. shit. Three nothing? Three three. Three three. Okay. Well, I have cool. my br- I just refreshed my browser. It was two nothing. Then it goes to three three in the second period. Oh,
0: wow. And the and the bolts actually went up three, two. So we'll keep tabs on that. Whew. Um Kadri. Holy shit, dude. Can you believe how many, how many games we om- can you believe many- we
1: almost traded TJ Brody for this guy?
0: Yeah, you made the good point. It's just like this guy is always suspended in the playoffs. Yeah, this is the guy Brad is targeting, targeting, you <laughs> know,
1: targeting to make us better in the playoffs. It's a like, good one, Brad. <laughs> the guy that always gets suspended, he'll help us win in the playoffs. That's a brutal hit. Like, jeez, how many more hits can he make like this? How many games do you think he'll get? I'm thinking five. Dude, I don't even know anymore. I have no clue. Not a got, clue. He could, a, he could get a fine or get suspended 10 games. I have no idea. I got a dice here. Do you want me to roll that? Yep, that's the best way to do it. Okay, he's getting two. Perfect. That sounds about right because it's not enough. Exactly.
0: Boston comes back in back-to-back overtime winners to go ahead in the Series 2-1. They're looking good.
1: Uh, imagine signing Craig Smith in the offseason.
0: Imagine that, Hey, eh? That's going to be a good series, though. I think Washington's going to push back.
1: Those are some good games. Three overtime games. And the pens tied up. I know they were a little bit of a snooze
0: fest for you, but... Boring. Um, Stop Toronto... boring, everyone. Minnesota-Vegas, I'm sorry, but this is by far and away the best series to watch. For me, it is.
1: It's the one I've watched the least of because they're always at weird times during my day. Um, no, go back. You got to watch. You gotta but watch. Vegas has come alive and it might be trouble for the... It might be lights out for the Wild. I just don't see if... How good
0: does Colorado look? They look unstoppable. Holy shit, dude. So as far as my first round upset, it's not going to be the St. Louis Blues. I'm sorry, but I'm going to say it's because they don't have Perron. If they had Peron, they would have done it, but...
1: Nathan Av- McKinnon is a one-man wrecking crew. The Avs literally look
0: unstoppable, but Vegas is also... We got to see Vegas Aves. We have do to. We not? That would and be I'm such so- a shame. I'm sorry, but how is anybody coming out of the Canadian Division going to match up against either one of those two?
1: Teams? Can you imagine any of these teams like Colorado like, will steamroll them?
0: They're going to slaughter them. Now it looks like Tavares is out. We're just seeing the. We just saw the hit. Perry needs him in the head accidentally, but he's out,
1: man. Like he couldn't. Even, the guy couldn't even get up. That was yeah, scary to watch. He's done. There's. I- there's no way he's coming back.
0: Like, could you imagine?
1: Okay. Yeah. I know where you're going. Winnipeg goes up one, nothing. If they don't get Ethers or Dubois
0: back, I don't see them winning this series. They got outplayed all game. They've reduced Edmonton's chances. They, they reduced Conor McDavid pretty well. You're not going to do, be able to do that through the a seven game series. And without Ehlers and Dubois, there's no way I don't see Winnipeg beating these guys. I really don't. Yeah, so like
1: they squeaked that one out. But, like you there's no way he can win three more games like that. so I think
0: I think they can beat him if they have those guys in the lineup, but,
1: yeah, totally. Them. And if Paul Maurice can like just continue to figure out how to shut down McDavid a little bit because again, like you said, you're not gonna shut him down. He's gonna get his. So they're gonna have to score more too is the other thing. I know they got four or two were empty enters. So they're gonna have to score more. More shot, like Mike Smith, how many shots did he face? Like, very few last night. Like, race. 16 or something. So, ago. like, come on. Get get your shit together, Jets. We need you to win three more. We need you to win three more really bad.
0: And I thought the scouting
1: report was out, but apparently it's not. These guys aren't even going five-hole. Does nobody know this? Like, everybody knows this. Elias Lindholm knows. Milan Lundgren knows. Deadly, there's a few
0: slot opportunities, and they're going, they're going shelf. It's like, go five-hole every time. Connor comes down on a two on one, and he's yeah. like, he's like way ahead, and he pulls a Michael back and stops up short. Stop short. Stop short. And then proceeds to pass it into the D-man skates. They Good had job, like
1: a they had like a three on one where I think it was I don't know who Shifley. it was. Shifley yeah. blows it twenty feet over the dude. Go five hole right along the ice, or at least at the fucking net. You gotta wipe a net. Like Smith is so out of position there. Like, come on, bud.
0: Toronto and Montreal, this is getting a little more interesting because I haven't tuned in since we've been recording, but everybody was supposed to come back from Montreal, including Gallagher, Weber, Deneau, Price. It could be more of an interesting series than than what people originally thought, especially with now Tavares is out.
1: Well, I still think Austin Matthews is going to destroy the Montreal Canadiens. But, I mean, without Tavares, it does get a little more dicey, and Montreal just scored. One nothing. one nothing
0: so could you imagine though if so say eulers and um dubois don't come back edmonton beats the, the the jets i still yeah i i if they don't come back i think it's it's a done deal if somehow let's say edmonton does get past toronto which probably won't happen how bad are they gonna get beat like Colorado or the, or the Vegas Golden Knights, at least Toronto could maybe squeak out two wins and make somewhat of a series.
1: Can you imagine Nathan McKinnon and company versus Mike Smith? Dude, these guys get like 45 shots a game. They had 50 shots in game
0: one. Mike Smith is like 16 shots on net and can barely contain him. Like (laughs) contain himself. (laughs) Imagine getting like 45. He was flapping her. That'd be, you know what? I hope. I actually hope that happens and I, I it, obviously I prefer they guess they lose in the first round, but
1: listen, I, I, I think the blues, that first game was rough. They weren't as bad last night, but again, Nathan McKinnon just won beast mode as you know, welcome to our world, St. Louis. How does it feel? It sucks. Doesn't it? it really sucks. It sucks for Nathan McKinnon to completely destroy your entire franchise. All right, we'll have more um, playoff playoff hockey
0: to break down on the next podcast, and shortly after that, we'll do a full on in depth analysis of all the metrics that you want to hear about. have <sighs> Calgary
1: Flames shit season this season? What were we gonna wow. do? We were gonna do instead of like um, with our player grades, we were just gonna go like, oh yeah, we're gonna, from- we're gonna
0: rank them from most disappointing to least.
1: Yeah, instead of best to worst, it's gonna be. Most disappointing to least. This guy was a big disappointment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, we'll end on this note. Um, one the final thing that Sutter said post game against the Canucks is that uh if we look, we've been playing good hockey for the past six weeks. And if we had played that well for an entire season, we'd be a playoff team.